Will Christians disappear around the world before a seven-year period of tribulation hits this planet? That's our topic on His Voice Today. Welcome to another His Voice Today with Steve Wolberg. Our message today is called The Rapture Controversy. Uh, with a title like that, you can expect that this is going to be a, a controversial half hour that we spend together. Uh, first of all, I want to say that I am one of the millions of Christians around this world who strongly believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. Uh, we believe that we're living in the final days, that we are in the time of the book of Revelation, that the apocalypse is uh, ahead of us, not far away, and that these are the last days of Earth's history. I believe that uh, because the Bible teaches that when you carefully study God's book. Uh, and along with millions of other Bible-believing Christians in many different denominations, uh, I also am longing, I'm looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ will come down from heaven and catch up his people and take us home. Uh, Paul talks about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, which we'll look at shortly. And I believe that. Uh, this event is often referred to as the rapture. And again, I, I can't wait to get off this planet and to go up to see my Savior and to uh, look into his eyes, into the face of the one who died on a cross for me. But when it comes to the timing of this event, uh, that is really the issue. That's where the controversy comes in. Uh, exactly when is Jesus going to come down and pick us up and take us up there? Uh, there's many different views, a lot of different options, and I'll show you, uh, to start out, one of the options. Uh, and that has been uh, very appropriately, or at least skillfully, presented in a best-selling series of novels and some movies called the Left Behind series, co-authored by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, published by Tyndale Publishers. Uh, the Left Behind series basically teaches that at some point in the future, and here's a video jacket uh, on my screen in front of me, and I'll read this to you. It says, in an instant, millions of people will vanish. For those who are left behind, the apocalypse has just begun. The Left Behind series of novels basically presents a sequence of end-time events. Yes, it's a novel, but it presents what millions of people uh, sincerely believe. And the idea is that the rapture will take place first, and that will be followed by a period of seven years of tribulation, and that will be followed by the visible second coming of Jesus Christ. So it's rapture first, then seven years, then the second coming of Christ. Now, um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, in the year 2004 and 2005, Left Behind readers were absolutely shocked when the publisher of the Left Behind series, Tyndale Publishing, uh, came out with another series of novels about Bible prophecy that took a completely different uh, position than Left Behind. And here I've got uh, on my screen in front of me an advertisement for the book called The Last Disciple, written by Hank Hanegraaff and Sigmund Brower. And here's a uh, an, an editorial or a, a review from Publishers Weekly. 
Tyndale House, the publisher of the Left Behind Books, the mega-selling Christian series about the end of times, now presents a new series with a very different interpretation of biblical prophecy. Christian radio show host Hank Hanegraaff and best-selling CBA novelist Sigmund Brower take readers back to the time of Nero in the first century, and it goes on and on describing uh, the view of this book, The Last, the Last Disciple. So you've got the last disciple on the one side, and you've got left behind on the other side. Here is an article that came out in the Dallas Morning News, November 6, 2004. And the title was pretty interesting. It says, New Take on Rapture Puts Authors in Apocalyptic, Apocalyptic Feud. Uh, the Left Behind series basically says that Christians will disappear, then there'll be seven years of tribulation, and that's when the Antichrist will come. The Last Disciple had, doesn't accept that at all. The Last Disciple says that the Antichrist was a long time ago. Uh, it was actually Nero, and they don't believe in a disappearing event where Christians just are gone with a poof before uh, seven years of tribulation. So here's Left Behind, Last Disciple published by the same publisher, creating a controversy over what is the truth in this area. Now, and then there's Billy Graham. I'm sure you know who Billy Graham is. Uh, he wrote a book called Answers to Life's Problems. And Billy, in his book, uh, actually takes a different view from both of them. He doesn't believe, or at least in his book, he, he shows he believes something different than left behind, and he certainly didn't believe in the last disciple. Uh, here's a quote from his book, page 300 and, 300 and 301. Billy is asked the question, which he lists in the book, do you believe that Jesus Christ is going to make a visible, physical return to this earth? And Billy answers in his book, yes, I believe this with all my heart, not because of the opinions of others, but based solely on what the Bible plainly teaches. In the New Testament, Pastor Graham continued, we find more than 300 references to the second coming. For instance, and then he quotes John 14, verses 2 and 3, and Matthew 24, verse 30. And then Billy Graham said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, which we'll look at soon, which describes Jesus coming down from heaven and us being caught up. Paul wrote, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. His coming will be visible. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. That's Answers to Life's Problems, page 300 and 301. And basically what Billy is saying in this quote, he, he's quoting 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 that talks about Jesus coming down and believers being caught up, and he applies that to the visible second coming of Jesus Christ. He does not apply it to uh, a rapture where Christians disappear prior to a seven-year tribulation, which is then followed by the second coming of Christ. Uh, Billy said that we'll be caught up at the second coming of Christ, which will be a visible event. So, as you can see, there is a controversy, and that's why this, this uh, message is called the rapture controversy. You know, which one is it of these different options? Is it what Left Behind says, that we will be caught up, that we'll disappear, that people will just vanish around the world before the seven years, at the end of which we have the second coming? Uh, or is it what the last disciple says, that there isn't even going to be a seven years, uh, and that the Antichrist was a long time ago in the time of Nero? Uh, or is it what Billy Graham taught? 
in his book, Answers to Life's, Life's Problems, that 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 really describes the visible, loud, command, second coming of Jesus Christ. Are you confused? Uh, well, I hope not. My goal is not to confuse you, but ultimately to shed light on this subject and to do it not with my own opinion, but to do it with, with the Bible. This program is called His Voice Today, and my goal in every presentation is to stick to Scripture uh, and to look at the Bible very, very carefully to find out what it really says. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's take a close look at what Paul actually said. Uh, this is probably the mother text that is at the heart of the controversy about the timing of the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Uh, these verses are extremely important. And let me preface the reading of these verses with a little illustration. Ha have you ever been driving down the highway in your car and uh, not realized how fast you were going? I won't tell you how many times this has happened to me. And then you, you happen to glance down at the speedometer in front of you and you realize, whoa, I am going too fast. Uh, I'm going to get a ticket unless I slow down and line up with the speed limit. Well, the fact is that uh, my conviction is that too many times, and this is a fact, too many times people read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 uh, too quickly. They're just, they're just moving too fast. And it is time for us to slow down, to take a very, very careful look at these verses and to find out what the Bible and what, what the Bible really says and what Paul actually wrote. So if you're ready, let's go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul wrote, For the Lord himself, referring to Jesus himself, he shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump or trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, before we even get to verse 17, let's just notice uh, clearly how Paul is describing this event. He said that Jesus, he wrote that Jesus himself is going to come down, he's going to descend from heaven with three things. The first one is a shout. The second one is a voice. And the third one is with a trump or trumpet of God. And the trumpet is going to uh, be so loud that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Even the dead around the world are going to hear that trumpet. Now, if you think about it and just look at the text, uh, it, it, just, it just sure seems like Paul is describing a very noisy event. Uh, in fact, this is one of the noisiest verses in the Bible. Jesus is coming down, not quietly. He's not just slipping down from heaven so that nobody sees him. He's coming down with a shout, with a voice, and with a trumpet, and then the dead in Christ are rising from their graves all around the world. Now let's go to the key text, verse 17. What happens at that time? Verse 17, Paul wrote, Then, then meaning at the same time, we which are alive and remain, we shall be 
And the words there are, we shall be caught up. Caught up. To meet them in the clouds. Caught up together with them in the clouds. And the together means those that have been resurrected. We're then being caught up together with them. Uh, we're going up. Literally, we're going up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So, Paul describes Jesus coming down, and we're going up, and it is uh, at the time when there's a shout, a voice, and a trumpet, a very, very loud event. Now, as you keep reading in chapter 5, Paul continues right on, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. In other words, we don't know exactly when this is going to happen, whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall. We just don't know. We don't know what time of day or what season of the year it will be. But verse 2 says, but we do know something. For yourselves do know perfectly that the day of the Lord, this day when Jesus comes down and we are caught up, will come as a thief in the night. Now, uh, this expression, thief in the night, when you look at the context, doesn't mean that it's going to be a quiet return of Christ. It means that it's going to be a sudden event because verse 3 says, For when they shall say, peace and safety, those are the people of the world who aren't ready, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they will not escape. So when you look at the whole context, uh, there's really two groups. Jesus comes down from heaven with a shout, with a voice, with a trumpet. The dead in Christ rise and believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Those that are not ready for this event, they will experience this day of the Lord that will come like a thief in the night and they will experience it in a very uh, sudden and tragic way. Verse 3 again says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. So one group goes up, and one group uh, doesn't escape the day of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. As we look at these verses, there really is no hint that this is a quiet return of Christ. Uh, there's no hint that believers just disappear. It says we're going to be caught up. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that Jesus was taken up, but he didn't disappear. He was taken up literally, and the, and the disciples watched him go up into the clouds. And then two angels that were standing by, the disciples said, you men of Galilee, why are you looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, and they saw him go up the angel said that the same Jesus will come back down in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And I believe those angels had their theology straight, that Jesus was taken up literally, visibly. They saw him go up and they said that he's going to come down in the same way. And that's what uh, the Bible is teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. And there really is no hint, at least from the text, that this catching up is the beginning of a seven-year period of tribulation for those who are left behind. We don't see that in the text. Uh, I've got a very interesting article in front of me. It uh, came out in Time Magazine, and let's see, the date here is July 1, 2002. Uh, it's called The Bible and the Apocalypse, Why More Americans Are Reading and Talking About, about the End of the World. There's the front cover. It's a rather old edition. I've used it many times, and in the heart of this this particular issue of Time Magazine, 
there's a whole article dealing with the Left Behind series. You can see all the different books. And they're analyzing uh, the different interpretations and the view that Left Behind is teaching. And, and in the on the next page, after all those books are listed, there's an article by a man named David Van Bema, and it's called The End, How It Got That Way. And right in the middle of this article, you see a picture there, if you can see it. And there's Billy Graham, a little younger Billy Graham, and he's preaching. And this article is called The End, How It Got That Way. It's written by a journalist named David Van Bema. And I read this with great interest. And he talks about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 that we just read. And then he talks about a man named John Nelson Darby who lived in the 1800s. There's a picture of Darby over on the side here. And, about, and it talks about his preaching and his teaching. And then it talks about Darby's most striking innovation. And I'll read it to you right here. It says that Darby's most striking innovation was the timing of a concept called the rapture drawn from the Apostle Paul's prediction that believers would fly up to meet Christ in heaven, which we just read from our Bibles. Most theologians, listen to this, most theologians understood that event as part of the resurrection at time's very end, which is what Billy Graham believed, and I trust still believes. But Darby repositioned that event at the apocalypse's very beginning, a small shift with large implications. It spared true believers the tribulation, leaving the horror to non-believers and the doctrinally misled, which is basically what the Left Behind series teaches, that we go up and then everybody left behind has to go through this period. Uh, David Van Bema, with a picture of Billy Graham right in the middle of the article, says that most theologians, uh, down throughout the history of Christianity, they didn't believe that. Most theologians, including Billy Graham, have interpreted 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17 as applying to time's very end and the final resurrection when Jesus comes in the clouds with power and great glory and it's going to be a loud event which is referred to as the second coming. So these are, these are some of the issues that we need to unravel. Now there's a couple other texts I want to look at in the time that we've got left. First, Corinthians 15, verse 52. Let's take a look at that. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 is probably the second most quoted passage about the rapture, and it's used to support the idea that Christians are going to disappear before the tribulation. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, Paul wrote, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, in the moment, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And people interpret that and they say, see, uh, people are going to blink and all of a sudden all the Christians are going to be gone. But is that what Paul is really saying? Is he describing a disappearing moment that the world then wakes up and wonders what happened and seven years have begun? Well, let's look at the whole verse. Verse 52 says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So Paul says this moment that takes place in the twinkling of an eye is actually at the last trumpet. And there are seven trumpets in the book of Revelation. And the last trumpet is at the very end when Jesus Christ comes, uh, his visible second coming. So when Paul talks about uh, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, he's not talking about Christians just disappearing. He's actually talking about how instantly our bodies are going to be changed uh, to have new bodies 
uh, at the return of Jesus Christ. So let's look at one more. The third text, which is so often used, is in Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus talked about one being taken and one being left. One taken, one left. Matthew 24. The end of the world, end of time. Jesus said, then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. I want you to know that I believe this. I believe the Bible. I'm not a liberal. But the question is, when is then? When will one be taken and one be left? Will it be uh, when Christians just disappear, seven years before the second coming? Or will it be at the time of the second coming, at the end of the world? That's the issue. Well, I think the answer, I know the answer, is in the context. In verse 27, just backing up, Jesus said, For as the lightning comes out of the east and flashes to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So here he describes a, a visible coming that's going to be just like lightning flashing around the world. Verse 30, he describes what it will be like when he comes. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they, they will see, even unbelievers will see, the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. There's that trumpet again. And they will gather together his elect from the four wind, from one end of heaven to the other. This is definitely the second coming. No question about it. Verse 36, but of that day and hour no one knows. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not, the world knew not, until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So when Jesus comes, it's, it's just like the sudden destruction that hit the people in Noah's day uh, around the world when the water came down. And then Jesus said, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now here's the next verse, verse 40. Then shall two be in the field the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. So when he said, then two are in the field, one's taken, one's left, the context is verse 27. Just like uh, lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall his coming be. Just like Noah's day when the water came down and the people didn't know about it uh, until the flood came and took them all away. So shall his coming be, when he comes in the clouds with power and great glory and the trumpet sounds and Jesus gathers his people from around the world. Verse 40 says, then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. So based upon the context, based upon the clear evidence, as I read my Bible, uh, it's, it's very obvious to me that the then, when two are in the field and one's taken, one's left, that then is at the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's visible, that's like lightning where the trumpet sounds and billions of angels come down from the sky at the end of the world. The rapture controversy. I'm a strong believer in the Bible. I'm a, a strong believer in the book. I strongly believe that Jesus Christ came once, 2,000 years ago, 
that he was born in Bethlehem, that he lived a quiet, humble life for 33 years in the land of Israel. He suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he died a cruel death on a cross for your sins and for mine. And then he rose from the dead. Uh, and it's a sad fact that one of the reasons why so many uh, of God's people, so many of God's professed people, Jewish people, uh, turned away from Jesus was because their understanding of prophecy was that when the Messiah came, he was going to conquer the Romans and be a victorious, uh, loud leader. But Jesus didn't come to do that. He came in a quiet way, in a humble way, as the Lamb of God to die on a cross. And because they misunderstood the nature of his coming, many of them rejected their, their Messiah, which is tragic. The New Testament also teaches that Jesus is going to come back again. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe he's coming back very soon to take his people home. And as I read my Bible, uh, I don't believe that Jesus is coming quietly the second time around. Uh, many Jewish people in the days of Christ believed that he was coming uh, loudly, but he came quietly and they, they missed the truth of who he was. And uh, we can make a, a, a similar mistake. We can believe that at his second coming, he's coming, or at least at the end of the world, he's going to come quietly, when now it's not time for him to come quietly. It's time for him to come loudly and visibly as a triumphant uh, warrior to pick up his people and to take us home. There's a man named Tom York who once made a statement. He said, someone needs to tell the truth, but it shouldn't be my job. Well. Uh, I don't feel that way about my calling. My calling is to tell the truth. It is my job. And that's what I'm doing the best I can to do with you right now. I'll close with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. The Bible says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. We're going to be caught up when he comes down with a shout and voice and a trumpet. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. May that day come soon. Wherefore, Paul said, comfort one another with these words. These are God's words for you and me. You have just heard his voice today. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting messages just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.